I remember thinking going into that that meeting just do I want to end this right now everything that we've done everything that we built is it is it over or is there another option and I knew what I was supposed to do you know in a in a traditional sense of like wife cheats on you you get a divorce it's ugly you have a separation you split up all the assets you move out you're angry at each other you never see the family again and i saw that as like a, an option in my future and and then i i said i i don't want that i want something else give me something else Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult the medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy! Welcome to episode 267. We're Finn and Emma. And before we jump into the interview, happy holidays, everyone. It is December and there's a lot going on and I stole Finn's... Finn's, uh, Happy holidays here. You didn't steal anything. I was sharing with you because this is the season to share. True. To be sharing and caring and loving. <laughs> regardless of whatever holidays. And frankly, we should be doing that all year long. So I'm going to start do my New Year's resolution. Do that all year long. Do what all year long? Be caring and loving? And sharing. <laughs> and sharing. <laughs> Treat every day like it's a holiday. We should be doing that all the time. So we are here with Marie and Steve today. Happy holidays. But Marie and Steve are here talking to us. And we talked to Maria back in episode 239. Yes. A few months ago, she was on, told her story. And now she comes back with her partner, Steve. Yeah. And so if you've listened to Maria's story on her own, a lot of what she talks about is the infidelity that happened between her and Steve that sort of cracked open their relationship in a challenging way. And we get them both back today to actually talk about the infidelity and the opening of their relationship together. Not only how it happened, but sort of the why and how they both processed it and then how they both worked through it and repaired and the tools that they've been utilizing and all of the work that they've done over the last couple of years to rebuild this. And it is a beautiful, powerful story. And we're just really, really excited to get it out there and to share it on behalf of both of them. One other quick thing we wanted to mention is uh, Maria, as she talks about in her previous episode, and as you'll hear Steve talk about in this episode, a lot of this happened while Maria was in school to uh, get her master's degree. So she is a coach. She works with couples and individuals who are exploring non-monogamy and just relationships in general. And we wanted to make sure to mention that and to let you know links to all of her work and her website are in the show notes. Yes, this is a wonderful interview, so we're going to jump right in. Thank you again, Maria and Steve. For anyone who is a premium subscriber, we're going to go right to the interview right now. And for anyone else, we have a couple of quick announcements for all of you. Holiday announcements. Holiday announcements. What makes them different? What? We have jingle bells in our step. (laughs) On our heels. We don't actually have jingle bells here to play, but... We're like holiday cowboys with jingle bells on our spurs. Yeah, you can have that mental uh, image in your mind right now. And Finn's wearing assless chaps. (laughs) That's the type of holiday cowboy I am. (sighs) I wish that was the case. 
Next year. <laughs> Next year. I'm going to add them to my Amazon wish list. The, so, the jingle bells. The, the jingle bells, not the assless chaps. Yeah, I don't need to get those. <laughs> <laughs> I got a whole closet full. So for anyone who is, anyway, I'm just going to keep moving along, by the way. Anyone who is not familiar with a premium subscription, it is a way for you to skip these introductions uh, and announcements up at the front of the podcast, jump right into the interview, and then, but don't worry, you still get the important dates and community announcements at the end of the episode. But you will miss the assless chap announcements. That's, that's true. To sign up for the premium subscription, go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, and on the homepage there, you'll find all of the information. While you're on that homepage, if you go to the very tippy top, there's a menu bar, which you're probably familiar with since you've used the internet. <laughs> you're going to click on the community tab, and you're going to learn all about and then join the huge, amazing, supportive community that we've built over the last four years, formerly known as the Patreon community, now currently just known as the community. We're now on a platform called Mighty Networks. It's yes. amazing. And so we do a monthly Q&A. We do men's groups. We do women's groups. And we have an ongoing support platform. The reason we're telling you this. Well, we'd love for you to check it out. It's amazing. Uh, just incredible like-minded people in there. So we want you to check it out. Also, we have a fun, exciting announcement. We are doing an in-person event on January 28th for anyone in the community. Um, this is going to be in the San, San Francisco Bay Area, specifically in the East Bay. We're still working out all the details, but we would love to have you come join us, but you need to be part of the community to do that. Yeah, so this was for all of the existing members and maybe a little enticement for people who are thinking about joining. What we're doing for that weekend is basically it's going to be really, really low key and really simple. There's going to be a dinner and drinks event sometime on the night of the 28th. There is likely going to be a private pole dancing class hosted by Amy, who was a previous guest of ours as well, Amy Bond. I don't have the number of that episode off the either. top of my head. And we're probably also going to do a private yoga class one of the mornings just to kind of get people moving. But other than that, everything is going to be sort of community-led and community-organized. People are probably going to put together some hikes or breakfasts or whatever. And so it's just going to be a great time to get the community together and hang out. So don't worry. If you miss this one, there are going to be more. We know this was sort of a last-minute thing. We just decided to throw it together for fun. We're also kind of testing it out. We want to do more of these types of things for the community in the future. So again, if you can't make this one, don't worry. This won't be your only opportunity. Next up, we have our upcoming virtual meet and greet next Thursday, December 29th. So, you know, after the holidays are kind of winding down before New Year's, we would love to have you come join us for the evening. This is going to be a really fun event. These are open to anyone. You just must be open-minded and respectful. And we have a theme. The theme for this one is holiday potpourri. Right. You can dress up whatever you want, whatever holiday theme you want. You also don't have to be in theme, but we encourage it. It's fun. And we're super excited. It's a, a really fun two-hour event where you get to meet lots of like-minded people. Really low-pressure, fun conversation. To sign up, go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, and click on the events tab. And as Emma said in there... Just a reminder, this is open to everybody. You don't have to be part of the community we were just raving about, although you can be, and many of the members who join us are, but you don't have to be. Yes. The last thing we wanted to say before we get into this amazing conversation is a huge holiday thank you to our favorite affiliate, stdcheck.com. What better time of year to get tested for STIs than right at the end of the year? That way you know you're you're good to go for at least the first couple months of 2023, depending on how New Year's goes. <laughs> 
Because, I mean, that could be off the chain. Yeah, that's very true. You're going to want to be ready to go for that. So get tested now. You'll be good for Christmas, New Year's, and whatever happens after that. We'll call it, uh, what's the one in, what's the one in February? Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. That's the one. So you want to be ready for all of these important holidays. (laughs) Well, you can't even remember, remember Valentine's Day. Anyway. We are sorry we're getting long on this intro, but the point is go check out stdcheck.com. Use the links on our website. It will support the show, so thank you very much for doing that, and you get a $10 discount. I think Finn might have said that. I didn't. I was I was still rambling about Valentine's Day. <laughs> you save $10, which brings the cost of a 10-panel test down to $129. That's the whole point. It's fast. It's easy. We absolutely love it. We also have fun talking about it. We hope you check it out because uh, being informed about your STI status is really the best gift you can give your partners. And with that, a quick reminder to reach out to us, send us a voicemail, send us an email. You can reach out and find everything to contact us on our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. And now, for real, let's go talk to Marie and Steve. Let's go. Welcome to the show, Steve and Maria, Maria and Steve. Maria, welcome back. Steve, welcome for the first time. So we're excited to have you two here and to talk to you tonight. Thank you for being here. Yay. Thanks. I'm really excited. Good to be here. Yeah, we're, pu- we're pumped. And so maybe just the best place to start is just a quick intro from both of you. And we know, again, Maria, a little bit about Maria, and we know a little bit about you too, Steve, but you didn't get to speak for yourself last time. So you are here to clear up all of the misinformation. <laughs> and pe- people listening may not have listened to Maria's fair, episode. Fair so. enough, fair enough. <laughs> but they should. They really should. <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, my name is Steve. I am married to Maria. We've been together since... 2010 we uh were monogamous for probably about half of that time and then in 20 sometime around 2017 2018 we decided to uh open our marriage and to um embrace polyamory as a lifestyle and a choice and um we're i I guess we're here to talk about that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah you have no idea what you're doing we i just, don't know we just turned on zoom and here you were so i was like steve we're gonna be on a podcast how do you feel about that he's like all right let's do it i'm ready to answer answer some questions <laughs> perfect Any, anything maria that you want to add to it um i feel very lucky that uh that i get to be in relationship with this human because i think it's what inspires a lot of my writing, my teaching. It makes me want to coach other people um, because he he just really teaches me a lot about what relationship really looks like and what love really is. And from that place, I feel really full and I just want to share it with people and polyamory, with my clients. So yeah, I'm excited yeah. to talk about it. Awesome. Wow. Love it. <laughs> well, I think maybe what would be fun, since last time we did this, Maria, you kind of gave us the high-level overview of what the relationship, or how you got here. Steve, do you mind taking us back in time, just in a minute or two, like, how we got here, and and maybe we dig into some of, like, the the key threads there, because I think they're, they're super important, and to hear them, like, also from your side as well. How did we get to where we are today in a in a open relationship? 
Sure. Yeah. How did how did we get into non-monogamy? In one yeah. minute flat. Or, okay. or, it's or, like an, impossible, or, it's like an or, impossible question. Or five. Five or ten is fine. There's no there's no rules here. <laughs> yeah, start the clock. Let's go. Yeah. Uh let's see. So we started in um uh, I think things things began when if we want to go way back to I would say like uh, 2016, 2015 time frame. Marie was in grad school, and uh, she uh, became very close with this 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 uh, I guess you could say like a student that was one of her colleagues. Um, I don't know the right term for two students, but yeah, like I guess her call. So uh, Marie was friends with this colleague, and they were studying to become social workers together, and they became really close, and they would study together, and they became close friends and he invited us over um we actually attended like our first passover uh thanks to him because he invited us over for it i thought that was pretty cool and um i i thought they were just friends and then you know at some point maria disclosed to me she's like i'm really attracted to him and how would you feel if i started dating him or connecting with him and that really freaked me out because well, actually, I think it was because she didn't really use that kind of language. Like, I'm, I, I might be misremembering that now because I think it was more like, uh, I want to date him and I didn't kind of thing. Like, I look, I didn't do it kind of thing. And I thought that was, um, I, I didn't see it for what it was, which was like, well, why is this happening kind of thing? And more along the lines of, oh, this is just something that happens when you're in a relationship for a long period of time. That was sort of the lens that I put it through. You know, in hindsight, I think that was a mistake. But I was like, so relieved. I was like, oh, great, you didn't cheat on me. You you had this urge, you had this opportunity, and you didn't. And I was really grateful. And I, I felt like uh, I had made a great choice with Mar like having Maria as a partner. I was like, oh, look, she she had this opportunity to cheat on me and she, she chose not to. And she came to me instead and said, I'm feeling this way. And then basically I did what I thought was right at the time, which was just to say, okay, don't see that guy anymore. That's done. Uh, you know, that's over. Let's move on from this. And, and I'm, I'm just glad you didn't do that. And, you know, some time went, went by and, uh, Maria, uh, you know, had graduated and, and started working, um, as a social worker and then went to California for a workshop. Uh, I mean, we, we were not living in California at the time we were living in, um, Pennsylvania actually. And so it was, it was kind of a big deal. I think it might've been the first time that she had, you know, outside of grad school sort of went on this trip by herself, uh, took, took a flight and, you know, it was, uh, sort of a monumentous moment where we, we were like, we're spending time away from each other for long periods of time because we, you know, up until then we had been, you know, living together and sharing almost every day together. And we, uh, like, I, I can't think of a time where we actually went to like somebody else's house without the other person. Like anytime there was a sleepover or anything, we had literally been together for years. And this moment, um, signified a, like a break in that paradigm. So anyway, we, she went there and she met this guy and uh, she had this awakening that she thinks she might be polyamorous. And she came back to me and she explained, hey, again, same format. I met this person. I really want to do something with them. I really want to connect with them. I feel an extreme attraction to them. 
what, um, what do you think? And I freaked out and I was like, no, no way. I don't know if you guys allow cursing, but I said, fuck yep, no. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. You can say whatever you want to say. <laughs> I said, fuck no, no way. No, there's no way in hell that that's going to fly. Uh, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a hard no for that. And, um, don't ever see that person again, basically. And Maria's like, okay, well, I'm going back to California like in a month because there's another workshop I'm going to go to. And that guy might be there. And I'm like, well, you can't talk to him. Don't look, don't go near him, please. Uh, and Maria said, yes, I'll do that. And um, then, uh, you know, time went by and she went out for that second workshop and it turned into a, uh, turned into like that was the time when the affair happened. Um, so she came back and um she she confessed right away and she's told me that there that there there had been an affair i had had an affair with this man and i was like my world just became blown up i was just shaken and i i didn't know what to do and i didn't know how to process this information i didn't know how to um, recover from this. I didn't know if we could recover from this. I didn't know if I could recover from this. I was just completely devastated. And I also, uh, this was maybe a, a something of my own creation based on the, like how I had built my families and friends, but I also felt like I couldn't tell anyone. I, I felt like I couldn't have any support around it. I couldn't disclose this because I didn't know what would happen and I didn't want anyone to like, treat Maria differently or treat me differently. And so the only thing I thought to do was to hide it and, and then decide what, what we were going to do in the relationship. So we ended up getting a couple's counselor to help us figure it out. And that was the best decision we'd ever made because that couple's counselor that we, that we secured, um, he actually specializes in like open relating and, he was able to, like, before we went into uh, the concepts of open relating and non-monogamy, he was able to put us back together in a place where we could agree that we had a future and that, it, and that we were actually going to rebuild. Um, without him, without his intervention, the first day that we met w with him, I, I, we, we would have had a divorce. I mean, that that's... It seems like that's the only thing. And I remember thinking going into that, that meeting, just do I want to end this right now? Everything that we've done, everything that we've built, is it, is it over or is there another option? And I knew, I knew what I was supposed to do, you know, in a, in a traditional sense of like, wife cheats on you, you get a divorce, it's ugly, you have a separation, you split up all the assets, you move out, you're angry at each other, you never see the family again. And I saw that as like a, an option in my future. And, and then I, I said, I, I don't want that. I want something else. Give me something else. Um, and so there was this other option where we could stay together and we could rebuild this. Um, but the counselor made it clear. He said, if you're going to stay together, you need to understand that 
Maria is saying that she's she's polyamorous. She's saying, this is what I need. This is who I am. Do you want to be with someone who's like this? Is that something that you want to do? And I thought, uh, <laughs> to be quite frank, I was like, well, I could try it. And uh, I could, you know, I could always get a divorce later. Um, was was really my cold calculating brain at the time. And I I thought that was that seemed like a good idea. So we we went through and we started seeing that couples counselor on a very regular basis because we, we really needed the help. And um, since we decided that we were going to rebuild a relationship of respect and we were going to rebuild the, um, you know, we had to patch up the breakdown first. And um, we needed to figure out how are we going to, who are we going to be in the relationship? Um, so who are we? And in order to figure out who are we, we actually got uh, individual coaches as well to help us with that. And these are also people who specialize in non, non-monogamy. And um, that's like, that's something I, I would have never done as well is uh, I, I hadn't really put a strong emphasis on like professional help before this, but I came to the realization that I, you know, I, I, I found myself in this mess um, of, of my own creation basically. And how do I get out of it? I, we need, we need professionals and it doesn't matter what it costs. I'm going to figure out how to make the finances work later. And we, we managed to figure out how to just patch the relationship back up, come to a place where we both agree that we want to stay married. We want to have a relationship and we want to, eventually figure out a way to to do it in an open and ethical way and and not have another situation where there's like infidelity or cheating or or breaking agreements or things like that and um that took that whole process i think took maybe a year to get back to a point where we could even entertain the idea of 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 like maria or somebody else seeing someone yeah yeah, thank you, Steve. And I, I know we had, when we talked to Maria last, she kind of gave us the high level, like there was an infidelity and hearing it in sort of in detail from you is, I think it's, it's important to hear that, like, right, she kind of came to you twice, like, hey, there's a thing. And it was sort of like, whoa, no. But then you like, you basically got forced into it, right? You're like, I don't want it. And then it was like, well, it is now a thing. And you, you like, you are now doing it one way or another. I mean, you didn't obviously have to continue doing it, but it, it sort of happened to you. And I'm, I'm just kind of curious the feeling coming out of that when you were told, was it like a break in trust? Was like, where did you land that, that you were able to come back and say, well, I do want to rebuild? Yeah. The thing was, there was, this was such a thing that was so out of character for Maria that I, I had to, I had to try. I, I was like, mm-hmm. I've never felt like she didn't have my back ever until this very moment we're in, the, in this major breakdown. And so I was in a lot of pain and I was really confused and not sure what to do, but I also, but I also knew who she was and, and I knew that there was nobody I would rather have take care of me when I'm sick or, 
like be there to help me raise kids or to, you know, take care of my parents uh, or, or anyone I ever cared about. Uh, I would want Maria to be there because I, because I just love who she is. I love how she interacts with the world. And this was like, this really hurt. And, but it was a mis- but it was like a mistake and it was, it was something that I didn't think was the end of it. You know, it wasn't like this was something that, um, was a, a fine, like that had reached like finality, that it was something that couldn't be undone. And I, and I think that that, I think that was kind of the, the point at which I accepted it and said, okay, this happened. I don't want a divorce. And I knew that I knew I didn't want to do that. I want to, I want to try something. I want to try to rebuild this and see if it's possible. And if I can rebuild the trust and rebuild the connection and the love and move all this anger and hate out of the way, um, if that's possible, then I want to keep going. And if it's not possible, then I guess we'll end up with a divorce, but I got to try. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for sharing that all. And I was going to make a comment, totally nailed it on the one minute mark, by the way. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm super glad you said, fuck the one minute and just shared. I, too, I, I, I regret ever saying anything about a time. That's limit. why, I, that's why I had to comment on it. Cause I love that you totally didn't listen to us on that. And that was like, you because can speed up so the much, audio if you want. <laughs> no, it's so much richer to, to go through the experience. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I, I want to jump over to Maria as well, but I, I think one of the interesting pieces about this is it's not, I don't know that there is a traditional affair in air quotes, but it wasn't just this was happening behind your back for months and months. And then you found out step one was like, Hey, I'm feeling these things. Let me tell you about it. And your reaction is, I don't think it's un, like pretty common would be like, okay, we'll um, stay away from that person. <laughs> we'll solve that problem. And then it was, again, it was like, Hey, there's another person and then it was a new level of like, but I'm, I'm considering this thing polyamory. And so you like get more information. And then the third time it's, yeah, it's really happening now. And so you kind you almost got like the, the entree served up here is what's coming. And then it, it kind of came and I'm, I don't know. I don't really know that I have a question here other than like it. I don't know if that would make it easier or harder. It wasn't, it, it just wasn't delivered in the, Hey, I've been sleeping with this guy for like, two years and I want to leave you. It was poly like she threw the polyamory thing is like a, I want to do it together. And then it's like, but can we now do it together when there's a, a break in trust? Like now we have to, now we have to like patch the boat before we can go sailing in the boat. And that's harder to do. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a, there was actually a brief moment before the affair where we were seeing a different counselor who was trying to help us into, uh, into a polyamorous relating way and i was i was super resistant to it i think i think we only met with him once maybe twice or something but i was i was really dragging my feet and um i wasn't sure i wanted to and i, I mean maybe i'm being unfair to myself because it was like literally a month but uh <laughs> <laughs> i guess i'm looking i'm looking back on it for where i am now i'm like come on steve what are you doing but really it was it was just a big step because it was something that was super unknown to me um i hadn't even really thought about it or explored it or um had it i never had it modeled to me ever 
from anyone that I trusted or knew. So it was this like completely foreign concept that um, I needed to work myself up to. I needed to deprogram like some ideas of masculinity and, you know, partner ownership things that I needed to confront and get, get clear with. And I'm, uh, I don't even, I don't know what, how old was I at this time? Like 20, 26, 27. So like, you know, I'm still like a man in his twenties. That's got all kinds of wrong ideas in his head. And, um, you know, I, I just felt like it was, it, it felt very quick and, and fast for me to, to sort of go into that. And, um, I don't, not saying what Maria did was wrong, but I think I, or, or not saying what Maria did was right, because it clearly was wrong and unethical and a betrayal, but it was also like I wasn't listening or available. I wasn't giving any ground at all. And I was not open to a discussion. And I thought what I could do was just say no, and that that would be the end of it and um, that it would go away. And, and that was, that's my mistake. That was my mistake in the whole situation. Um, that's how I failed Maria. And then she went and did this other thing, which was also not okay. And then we found ourselves in a huge mess. <laughs> so I don't recommend it. And I've actually told other people, um, one of our good friends uh, that, we heard, that we met, actually, I, I told the story to him and I was like, it's like, look, your wife's telling you she wants to try polyamory. This is what happened to me. <laughs> do, you know, yeah. you should do it with her so that you are part of it because it sucks to do it any other way. So I, yeah. I really don't recommend our model. <laughs> well, well, yeah, go ahead. I, I think, too, one of the things you touched on there, though, Steve, is like you were a guy in his 20s. You, you were brought up a certain way and Maria was brought up a certain way right and the scripts were fed are like and they're shitty but it's hey if if your wife comes to you or your girlfriend comes to you and is like well i want to do this thing and you don't want to do that thing you just say no and she's like okay well my husband said no i can't do that thing Mm -hmm. and so it doesn't matter whether it's polyamory or whatever it is it could be grad school it could be a sewing class it could be anything you think you have control over somebody until you don't and you really do. You have the control as long as they listen to your nose. And then the moment they stop listening to your nose, you realize you didn't ever really have control. You yeah. you thought you did, but it's it's the the scripts were fed. And I, yeah. yeah. And and honestly, the the work that I had done as part of dismantling some of that stuff was was actually the realization that I actually don't want ownership of yeah. my partner. I don't want to be there keeper i don't want like i'm not like a zookeeper and they're like an animal that i gotta take care of or whatever yep. it's like it's uh it's a that's a weird way that i, I don't want to we i don't want to be like that um with my partner and um i want them to be a a individual that chooses to be with me because they choose it uh not because uh i have some strange power or i'm they're obligated or it's like coercion like all that it just feels really wrong so you know the the whole concept of like oh just say no because you know giving them permission to to do a thing um like the the fact that any there's any permission given is seems 
like like I was able to actually like look at that and be like, oh, that's actually a really weird concept for another human. That uh, yeah. that's not something that I want. Yeah, for sure. And I didn't mean to uh, like prescribe to you or ascribe to you that you wanted the control. I think sure. it's so. It's just so like it was given to me, whether I wanted it, it or not. It's like here, you're a man in America. Yep. Here you go. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and it's not even probably thought of as control. It's just in that moment, you're like freaking out. You're like, oh, no, I'm afraid. So please don't do that again. Right. And it's, it just, it turns into control, even though you don't want control. Right. Yeah. And yeah. it sneaks up on you. Yeah. Not that I've ever had that happen, <laughs> but I could, I could imagine that's happened to other people. Yeah. We don't speak from any experience at all. Uh, I wanted to thank you, C, for sharing everything. And we definitely want to come back and ask you more questions, but it, Maria, I just, as Steve was saying all of that, was there anything you'd like to add or explain mm. from your perspective or. I loved listening um, from his perspective because it's so linear and clear <laughs> and there's this and then there's that. There's a one, two, three. It's very engineer-like and his brain is just so refreshing. It's like, ah, uh, yes. Um, I think what, what would I add to that? I would say what, and I, th- I might have touched on this um, on the previous episode that you and I, that we all did before, but what was really like the heart that drove me into not um, not wanting to do this in an ethical way was that feeling of thinking I was controlled. So I was buying into feeling controlled. Stephen did. Steve didn't mean to be controlling, but we both were kind of buying into this paradigm without consent. Like we never consented that Steve will get to determine what you do with your body. We never consented that I won't have my own needs or desires that might defy his needs or desires. We never said that, um, that we were going to enter into marriage and just become whatever the other person wanted and continue to do that. However, I had, it was unconsciously buying into that and that felt really safe and that felt really normal. So it, to me, the only way to get my need met of being with other people and exploring with other people was going to be through this dark, shadowy side because there was nothing else available. There, there, was, no, there was no real avenue of, of equality where I felt like my needs or my thoughts or my, or my feelings were, were as important. And what's interesting is now all of the work that we've been doing, we're continually dismantling where some person might take control and the other person might let go of control. And we're seeing it all with new lens and continually noticing where am I not being vulnerable? Where am I wanting instead just to shut you down? You're like, where can I be more um, coming from my heart instead of doing what I want to do because I feel like I can't tell you or because I feel like I can't be honest with you. That is an ongoing conversation that we're always having. How can I be more vulnerable? What is truly vulnerable instead of what is demanding, controlling, and limiting to the other person? Yeah, I love it. I'm I'm curious what... I'm not sure the best way to ask this question. So is really just what was the calculation for you in that moment of like, I could, I'm, I'm at the moment of, I could make the choice and go do this or I can not. 
What was the calculation for you in that moment to make or break the decision? Mm. That's a really good question. I think um, it was the only time in my life where I actually, my inner consciousness was screaming, was like, don't do this. This is not, this is not what you want to do this. And I'm like, F that, you know, I'm just going to go against my fiber of my being. It was almost part of like this rebel thing of like, I have to go what Steve said. I have to go against Maria Palumbo. Like I have to not be Maria Palumbo for a second and, and let this other part of me be here, even though I know that this is not right. I know that this is not okay. It was like this impulsive sort of addict mind that was like, oh, this is something I can have. This is something that I need. This is something that I want. I'm going to have it right now. Um, I'm going to take it and I'm going to deal with the consequences. Like, I know I just need to do this right now. There, it's like no logic, no real reasoning. I would say it's a little bit of like a uh, regression into an adolescent thinking which is I need to have this right now because if I don't, it'll be taken from me. I don't get a say. So I better do it in a way that's I better lie and hide it as much as I possibly can because I'm not going to get what I want. I, I have to figure it out. I have to like cover my own ass here. It's like a lot of um, manipulative childlike thinking. And I actually feel like that was the beginning of polyamory for me was that like resurgence of my adolescent that wasn't allowed to be sexual because I was too busy, like going through trauma, honestly, and like trying to survive trauma. I wasn't really able to be in that full express, like beautiful sense of my sexuality is so beautiful. I get to explore it. So I think she came out in that, in that very selfish way of I'm going to get this need met right now. I don't care what happens. I'll figure it out later but I need to do this because I've been ignoring this for so long. I've been ignoring my desire, my healthy desire for people, for my own body and for other people's bodies. And when, once I turned the corner and jumped in immediately, I felt like something went hollow in me. And I thought, uh Oh, I thought this was coming from a place of freedom, but something feels dead in me. And I literally hurt the most important, like I'm going to hurt the most important person in my life. Like I've never met a person like this. The quality of this human's incredible. And here, and look what I did. <laughs> like it, it was like the, um, the, the idea that the, the, the guys that pretending that it was all going to be hot or incredible, that was like ripped very quickly, especially afterwards when I had to take plan B and the guy's like, not, he doesn't want to pay for it, but he's like, I guess I will pay for it, you know, and like rolling his eyes and, and then we're driving to get the plan B and I'm like looking out the window and like, I see my whole life flashing before my eyes. And I ask him, how do you feel about me? And he's like, I feel 50, 50, I feel 50, 50 about you. I could go either way, you know? And I'm thinking, I just practically put my marriage, like I'm almost, I could be destroying my marriage for this asshole who wants to be 50, 50 for me, like, or doesn't even like me that much. What am I doing? And that was my own awakening of uh, looking at my decisions and why I make my decisions and what I think I deserve. Yeah. Well, and I'm curious <laughs> then on the, thank you for sharing. Yeah. And, and yeah. on the flip side, then you have a couple of days to process and you choose when you walk in the door, essentially to come clean. Like, is the, cal what's the calculation there? Is it like, I, what is it? Like, I mean, I have a thoughts, but like, I don't even want to put words in your mouth. 
What I remember it to be was actually a month of anguish where I started working with a coach immediately. I told her what happened and she said like your work, you're very authentic. All you do is share your truth and you're not telling your husband. Like, are you sure? And I told her, look, I, I would rather get sick and die of cancer and hold all of these lies inside of me before I drop this on him. What to make me feel better. It's like, no, 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 I don't get to feel better. And I I was working really close with this coach doing really deep, difficult work. A month later, I was like, you know what? I can't lie. I'm going to, I'm destroying my business. I'm destroying my future. I'm destroying my marriage if I lie. Because it, it was covering me. It was like hovering over every moment of love with him where I, I, I knew that I was going to get physically sick and I started feeling physically sick. And it was very dark, incredibly dark. Um, and eventually I was just like, okay, I have to do this thing. I, Cause I think even though it's going to, it probably is going to break what we have. I think part of me thought, I think it could actually push us forward. If me being honest always brought us forward, like us being truthful, us being vulnerable always brought us forward. So I'm like, okay, here's a test. Like, here we go. Like, can, can we get through this? And when I told him, I, um, I think it was just like a blur. It was just like this blur of like floating out of my body a bit and like looking down and being like, who have I become? Like, who is this person, um, doing this to this, to this man. And that night when I wanted to sleep next to him in bed, I remember I walked up and he didn't want me in the room, but he just looked at me and I felt so pitiful. And I knew in my heart, if he doesn't let me sleep in bed tonight, like we're done, he's not going to try. But he looked at me and he said, I w- yeah, come to bed, come, come into bed. And I thought, oh my God, this person, this, there, there might be hope here. We might actually be able to get through this. I remember I said, it was not that loving. <laughs> <laughs> you know? your you're face like, looks very sweet you were like you just described it like i'll oh, come to bed i was like i was like i was so pissed <laughs> i i was so, i was just like i was like get in bed like it was almost like a command like it was like a that's how i remember it, it was like i was just oh, that that's that's what it's i think started the 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 time period where i was just very angry every day Mm-hmm. Uh, fierce and fierce. just raging around the house and uh it's horrible i i had never been i had never felt so much anger um i did i remember there was like a bunch of like uh vitamin bottles on the table oh yeah and um we were arguing about or we were talking about something and of course i was mad and um i i actually like did the whole dramatic swipe off the table like clear the table with threw everything around and um man i'm not proud of that <laughs> yeah that, that was the I first time proud. that was the first uh, time you showed that anger yeah I, I i just was so angry and i just had no i didn't know how to express how angry i was and so all i could do was be like abusive towards you um with like degrading you with names and making a mess and and making you clean it up. Like mm. I just, I just was so mad at you and I, I wanted to hurt, make you hurt. Mm. Um, and, uh, I, I never, um, you know, I know it was never physical with you, but I was certainly emotionally violent during that time. 
and I do I do regret it. I, I'm, you know, I was so I was so angry. I'm so I'm sorry. Hmm. Thank you, baby. Yeah. I I I forgive you for that, and I and I I love you so much. It's hard for me to hear you talk like that because in, at the time I felt really responsible. I was like, this is what I deserve. I'm a piece of shit. That's right. Like I'm a piece of shit, just like my father thought of me or whatever, like good, good, good. It's like, okay, I'm you, like, I know how to deal with this. Like it felt okay. It felt safe. And then, and then when I was working with my coach, I felt my, my self-esteem was like degrading. It was like, what's happening? What's happening? What's happening? Like I, I, f- I felt like I was losing my like light, right? Like losing my joy and losing something. And then I eventually thought, okay, we need to do couples therapy. Will you do that? And when you said you were willing to do that, I thought amazing. Like that felt like hope that felt like light. And also when I created the boundary of, um, I said something to Steve, I said something to you, like, if you talk to me like that ever again, like you're sleeping at your best friend's house. Like if I get that you're angry, I get that you're hurt but you don't have to drag me anymore. You don't get to do that. Like we, we have to handle this in, in a really healthy way. And then immediately something clicked in you, Steve. And it was like, Oh, like, and, and we started like getting on this path of being on each other's team a bit more, but I had to create a boundary when I didn't feel like I was worthy of the boundary. And I had to find this sense of, Oh, I'm worthy to, to say that I deserve respect. Yeah. And that, that was so weird. Yeah, I'm really grateful you did that because it 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 helped me sort of realize like what the hell am I doing? Who am I right now? This doesn't feel like me. I don't want to be this person. Like what is uh like like she asked for, you know, to be treated with respect. Like hey, if we're going to build this, we're going to stay in this relationship, we need to treat each other with respect going forward and we're going to get through all the crap in the past. We're going to get to it, but we can't just be uh we we can't be violent towards each other emotionally or otherwise it's just not going to work and well it just perpetuates yeah it just festers and becomes it becomes like a way of a way of operating at some point and and i you know i was afraid of that and i didn't want that to be uh to become the relationship and i didn't want that to be um you know the basis for the relationship of just like oh you're terrible and i'm good i'm the victim you're the perpetrator and therefore i can do whatever I want. I get full permission to be, be however, I, however terrible I want to be. And in reality, it's like, actually that feels terrible. I don't want to do that at all. Mm-hmm. It doesn't help. Yeah. Like that, that I think is probably common to be like, well, yeah, you were the victim. She was the perpetrator and she is forever indebted to you. And if anything ever goes wrong for the next 70 to 80 years, well, there was that time member and I can right. hold that over you. Yeah. How, how did you start to work through that? Like what were, and I know this is like kind of turning into like, let's deconstruct the infidelity. And so I appreciate that wasn't necessarily the plan, but yeah. if, if you two are okay, continuing to talk about that, that's, I mean, yeah. I think it's, it's very rare that you get the opportunity to talk to both halves of a couple where they've gone through an infidelity and they're willing to, to not just talk about it, but like dive into it. Yeah. Talk and talk about it at the level you two are. So hmm. just, sure. yeah. Thank you for that up front. Well, you're welcome. I guess yeah. in the middle. Yeah, you're welcome. I mean, this is, this has been years of work, uh, that we're able to talk about it like this. And, um, there's been a lot of turning points around it. The basis is that we wanted to 
decide what kind of relationship we wanted to build and to work towards that. And, and working with a professional really helped keep things from boiling over and from getting out of balance and one person taking an extreme and the other feeling like they have to compensate for it. Uh, and I think after, after working with someone for about a year, uh, I was, I was able to decide, okay, uh, this is, this is the relationship I, I, I want to try and move forward with this relationship. And it really was just a conscious choice every day for a while there where it was like, if things were almost like on a mm. precipice and it was going to go one way or the other, like, for, like, like if, if, if I'm, if I get so angry today, I might just leave and, and then it, it actually stays okay. And then it was like every single day making sure that I'm, I'm, I'm well supported and then I'm talking to someone who can help me and then working it through with Maria and deciding is today the day. And if the answer is no, just keep going through it and keep going through the hell. And and that was something that that was my existence for a while, just feeling, feeling terrible, feeling worthless, feeling like I'm not, Mm. Um, a good husband. I'm not a good man. Like working through all of these questions of, of what happens when you're betrayed by someone that you love and trust and is your partner. Um, just every day facing that and looking it straight in the eye and being like, is this true? And it's like, mm, I mean, it feels true, but I don't think it's true. It feels terrible. feels like these things are, are real, but they're, I, they're really not. And, and is it enough to leave right now? And the answer kept being no. And so eventually, um, I think Marie and I had worked to a point where we're like, I, I need to be able to trust you again. I need to be able to trust that the words you say are real and mm-hmm. that, and that you're in integrity with me. And like, if you make a promise, you keep it. And if you do this, you like you stick to your word. And like, it just became like, where can we find the very smallest grain of sand of common ground? Mm. And let's start there and see if we can build into something more stable because it was like, well, we almost had nothing left. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So every day, small instances of building trust, me just saying, doing what I said I would do, whether it be making dinner or um, showing up at a certain time, like whatever it was, I, I knew in my gut that I had to follow through with all of it. And I felt like it, it kind of breaks my heart all over again, honey, to hear you talk about it because I it didn't feel fair that I could like almost be relieved in a way to share with you and you then like me sharing and being vulnerable, which kind of helped my health was me dumping it on you. And then you had to face the the pain and like all of this, am I a horrible person and, and what's wrong with me? And, and that just felt so fr- like freaking unfair that I... I wanted it to be reversed. Like it didn't make sense that I did this thing and, and you have to be the one that rebuilds the trust. Like I should be the one like that has to trust you. Like it it doesn't make sense. And I I think we stopped, kept keeping track and we stopped keeping score at some point. And it just became more about creating a relationship and facing these near deaths a lot and deciding 
that we're going to stay here now. Like we're going to stay here till tomorrow. And then tomorrow comes and we're like, Oh, I really freaking love you a lot. You're, you're hilarious. I can still have so much fun with you in the middle of what feels like a funeral of our marriage. Okay. Next day. And then just keep showing up, showing up each day, each day. Yeah. I don't, you know, you're saying this idea that you dumped it on me and, uh, and it's like, I had to, I had to sort of deal with it, but it's, it's just a thing that happened. This is a real thing. So I'd much rather know what's real yeah. in the relationship than live in some fantasy land of, of uh, artificial construction that you had an affair but didn't tell me and you pretend everything's all right, even though I feel like something's kind of off, uh, something's kind of weird. I don't want to live in that land where, where it's not real. I'd much rather be in the pain and the shit than mm. uh, live in, in an artificial existence and, uh, you know, actually part of the deconstruction of those beliefs that I had about my value as a man was based on the actions of my partner was a core concept that I had to work through. Like almost like my value as a man, as a person was because my wife is loyal to me. Mm -hmm. My wife is, is, you know, uh, taking care of them that my partner's taking care of me or does a certain thing that I asked them to do. That was where I, for some reason, I had this idea that that was where my value lied. But in reality, my value is an independent person. I, I, I'm valuable because I'm valuable. There's no, there's nothing about what happens in our relationship, what happens in my partnership does not define who I am and my value. So I, that was what I had to work through to be able to come to a place where it, it, it wasn't so personal and it wasn't so much about me because I, I was, I managed to shift that identity that I had of, uh, I am a good husband because I'm a good mm. man because like these questions, like whatever answers they were, they could become the opposite at, in any moment. And they, they just weren't true. They, they weren't true things. And that was, you know, a lot of help with professionals helped me get to that to, ex- to not just know that idea, but accept it inside of me. Yeah, that's all amazing. I think one of the things that that you said, Steve, and then Maria, you you kind of called it out, which is I thought was so interesting was the the fact that you, Maria, you talked about like you felt out of this like I'm a piece of shit, I'm a horrible human because I did this, and and Steve's over there feeling like I'm a horrible <laughs> husband. I'm a, like, and it's just so At the interesting. End of the day, you feel like you're, you're both, both feeling yeah, like that same. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's so the same crazy. trap. It's the same trap. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it is. And I think the other one too, you pointed out Stephen and just very eloquently was the, like, you don't want to live in a fantasy land. And I think that is so, I don't know. I I've gathered that you're an engineer as well. And so like, maybe that's an engineering thing. I, I can't imagine it is, but like the idea that like, I would rather know what I'm up against. Right. I, I want to know what I'm dealing with. And, if that means that like, okay, and this is not to paint you in a bad light, Maria, but like if, if I'm in a relationship where my wife sleeps with every fifth person she knows, like, okay, tell me. So I know what marriage I'm in, right? And that's not accusing you of that in any way, Maria. It's just sort of hyperbole of like, okay, maybe I can deal with that. Maybe I can't, but don't tell me it's one, one thing. And yeah. then I find out it's not that way. And so I, 
But that takes. I think that's not just an engineer thing. I think that's a pretty common. I know, but he spoke thing. engineer. To, he spoke engineer to me, and I just I felt it. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's at the same time there may be people out there that want to live in the fantasy land, and that's their own choice. But I I don't think that's the um, most common narrative. Although I could be wrong. Well, I, th- I think it points out something else that you both said about getting. Like you would never have done therapy unless you were sort of faced with this crisis, mm-hmm. and I think that. For anybody who's like going down the road thinking, why would I need therapy? I'm pretty happy every day. My partner seems pretty happy every day. We seem to be doing things great and we're laughing and having a great time. And you don't really even know necessarily like what's going on underneath for you in some cases. And you definitely don't know what's going underneath for your partner. And so getting that sort of like preventative, (laughs) preventative maintenance therapy, like can save you from yeah you don't change the oil on your car for a hundred thousand miles you get to get yourself a new engine and maybe a new car but if you can do the maintenance along the way you can avoid some of those things but it's you don't even know you don't even know what's happening until it happens yeah so yeah yes when when you were sharing that um what came to mind was it's like we learned a new relationship to the problem where we could take responsibility for it while not going into a shame spiral because the shame spiral is what would bring us apart ultimately. Cause I think a lot of couples stay there like, fuck you, fuck me, you know, let's just live in misery together or we'll break up and we'll finally be happy with somebody else and repeat the same thing all over again, essentially is what happens. But we, we learned that I, I don't want to destroy myself or you but I also want to take full accountability for what happened. So it became something that, yes, it's mine, Maria Palumbo. Like I did this, but it became more of how do we contribute to this chaos and how are we taking ownership to move forward as a couple instead of Maria being this horrible villain and Steve being the only victim in it. Cause we both kind of victimized ourselves through it in, in different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's a hundred percent true that Maria is the one that, sh- that, chose to have an affair and take she took that action but it's also true that i created an environment where that became an, an option i i contributed to that and and the option that seemed like the best option in the moment <laughs> yeah and that's right? even i mean that's that's hard medicine to swallow is that yeah. i i not only helped create an environment where that became a possibility but that that actually became a great idea and, right, and man, does that hurt? That that does not feel good. Right, we didn't yeah. see our parents work through issues. We just saw our parents shut each other down. No, like, oh, you want to do this? No, <laughs> like we're not doing that. So we we started acting like that. We didn't know that there was another way to do things. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You, you go, you go. I, do you have another question? Yeah, but I can ask at any point. <laughs> it's not time critical. <laughs> I was just going to uh, kind of bring us, unless either of you have more to say around that topic, I was going to kind of move forward a little bit and like how, how. Well, then I do have a question. Okay. But I didn't know you were taking us into the future. Sorry. <laughs> My question is, I, I, I don't mean to interrupt you there. I just, okay. I didn't want to lose this piece of it before I thought you were staying on this. Anyway, enough justifying. Um, <laughs> just ask the question. You, you had said <laughs> that sometimes that there were points where you were able to laugh and have a good time with your best friend during what felt like the funeral of your marriage or the funeral of your relationship. 
And I think that that ability to do that is probably just speaking from experience is one of the things that can really save you. And I'm curious how you two found the ability to do that. It's hmm. a really good question. Yeah. Well, foundation for the relationship is definitely our humor. Hmm. Uh, we, we like to make each other laugh. Uh, and I, 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 it's one of the things I love most about Maria is, is her humor and how funny she is. So, yeah, I feel like when you met me, you're like, you're a woman and you're funny like that. that that's amazing. Oh, man, that makes <laughs> oh no, I'm pulling out your patriarchy. <laughs> oh, God. Your patriarchy is showing. <laughs> But at the time, you know, you hadn't I had know. those relationships. I'm sorry, babe. I, I, Look, I, I was 21 <laughs> years old. I don't know. I didn't know what I was doing. I'm sorry out there. Your patriarchal ways worked for me. It worked. It worked well. But I, I think that's also just a testament to our personalities because I I feel like no matter what's happening, I I want to find a way to, to navigate it. I want to have fun. I want to be silly. I want, like it's kind of my, the way I orient to life that even if we're at a literal funeral, Steve and I will like find something absolutely absurd. Like we, we figured out a new, like, um, Larry, like something Larry David might write at a funeral, like one of our grandparents funerals, like, because it was so absurd and we've been talking about it ever since. Oh, this should be, um, you know, an episode. Um, and, uh, like, it's just a deep value of mine to always be, in the moment and steve is one of the rare people in the world that can like look at really terrible awkward circumstances and find something funny and and i think that was something that that really drew me to steve was just how easy he could be in his body where anything could be thrown at him and he would be like oh okay this is interesting this is kind of weird this is a little uncomfortable but i'm gonna navigate through it and i'm gonna i'm gonna find something fun to do as we're navigating through it Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. It's such a it's such a valuable skill to to have and I think it's also one that I've learned is for myself a double-edged sword because you can really mask you can use it for good or you can use it to mask everything that hurts with mm-hmm. humor. Mm-hmm. And so for me it's finding the balance of um both letting both happen mm-hmm, <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and i apologize your turn your, your <laughs> turn for questions i just wanted to ask that before we got away from it it's all good i think that's a fantastic question what i wanted to ask was I, i'm curious and you know, we've been talking for about an hour uh so far and i'm i'm curious kind of where the two of you are in your relationship right now what does your relationship look like at the moment you want to share first steve i can yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh let's see right now we are still i would say we're still in an open relationship and we're still married and we're still living together and we're we're not dating anyone right now individually and we've been we've been dealing with um trying to 
it's funny uh, after revisiting that thing that happened five you know five six years ago uh it's there's a lot of elements still i guess that we're we're still playing around with uh because it feels like some of those things we're still grappling with Mm -hmm. uh like ideas of of equality and who's taking care of what and who's responsible for what so i would say right now one of the things we're, we're trying to figure out is how to how to live um together in a way where we treat each other with respect and and everyone gets what they need. I feel like I, I've been struggling with feeling like I, I've been taking on a lot of the responsibility of things at home. And um, I, I, I just didn't know how to ask for, for help from Maria. And so Maria actually had this really great idea for dealing like, and this was actually causing like a lot of tension and it was like coming out in, in weird ways. So, Marie actually had this great idea to why don't we write down all the chores and just basically assign points to them and we could build two lists of chores that have equal points and we'll just swap them. And it sounds so simple uh, and like so rudimentary, but it, it, it just like totally took down the temperature for me in the relationship. And so yeah, I don't know. This 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 seems kind of silly to talk about chores when you're like, "How are you in the relationship right now?" Um, but it, it's just like we've been together for so long, and like that's this is where we're at. It's just like figuring out how to have a household together where we we treat each other well, and I'm not coming over and redoing the dishwasher because I'm neurotic. <laughs> uh, which, it's we like, know that one. <laughs> we know that one. You're not alone. <laughs> And uh, it's like, I, I, you know, I don't want to live this way. <laughs> I want to, I want to have a long-term relationship where everyone takes care of the house, you know, knows there's things that need to be taken care of in the house and we can split it equally. And I can just let go of that control and trust that it's going to get done. And, um, and I think we've made a lot of progress there. And I guess on a non-monogamy side of things, we've been, we haven't really been dating anyone too because we've been focusing a lot on trying to make sure that we're in the most solid places we can be. Uh, and, and, you know, I want to, I want to hear what Marie has to say on this because I, uh, I know there's a lot, there's a lot here that I haven't said. Okay. Why? Thank you. Sharing. Um, and the non-monogamy piece, is that what you're inviting me to share about or Um, the whole thing? Yeah. Whatever you want to do. Why? Thank you there. Um, yeah, I would say where I've been at personally has impacted our relationship. I um, I went through like a purging, like the great purge of like every single person I was seeing and dating and talking to and maybe talking to and then talking to their partner and then working through something with their partner that I haven't even met. And I was spending so much time in this like hyper fixated place of connecting with as many people as possible for years. And in April, I was like, what the hell am I doing? My, my, my heart was broken again. I was like, what the fuck? I'm, I'm kind of wasting my energy, pouring it out, trying to create these relationships, these deep partnerships. When I have this amazing partnership right here, what if I stop focusing so, so much externally and focus on myself 
and focus on Steve. I, I just felt like the right thing to do. So I started looking at, am I addicted to people? Am I addicted to love? Am I addicted to validation? And these last couple of years and more recently since April, it's just like, oh my God, everything that I was doing that I was getting validation from, I, I stopped doing and I didn't feel like myself. I didn't like, there wasn't a lot of dopamine in my brain. I didn't feel super confident because I, I had been dating a lot and I was taking a lot of energy from people wanting me and liking me, even if my heart was broken pretty soon after like seeing people. Um, and with all these pieces taken away, I felt like I don't really know who I am in this space. I don't really know what I'm doing. And I didn't feel as excited about working with people anymore. I didn't feel like I could. I felt like I like doing the one-on-one deep work and I had to lean on Steve financially. I wasn't, I wasn't able to create the way that I was creating in the past because my life felt different and I felt different and I was rebuilding. I've been rebuilding who I really am, not based upon other people's validation or wants or needs, not even in my business. So Steve has been holding this, like our marriage more financially where I do things here and there and I contribute financially, but he's really been holding it. So that has been kind of a mind fuck for us both, but also really helpful in learning that it's okay for someone to hold things for a bit while the other person is me dealing with heavy trauma, processing PTSD, like facing things I never had to face because I've been ultimately dating for so long. And and that kind of kept me at this numb, happy, like, energized state and Steve has been my rock and and I don't think I could be where I'm at right now if if he hasn't been so like this amazing human like this amazing loving human that is willing to be there for me financially be there for me emotionally and recently I, I I could tell that okay, there's something happening where his resentment is growing. He's like, okay, I don't want to be holding all of this. I'm holding the house. I'm holding you. I'm holding... And I thought, oh, I unconsciously was also giving everything over to him instead of doing the pieces that I could do because of our old pattern of dad and child in a way. Like this person is responsible. This person's irresponsible. And we started playing out those roles. And recently we both recognized, shit, we don't want to be playing out that, those roles. How can we get out of that sort of trauma response that we both have? This like unconscious response that we both do for some reason when we're tired or just because. And that's when I suggested that we create the chore list. And that simple chore list has been so effective for Steve smiling more and feeling more appreciated. And I'm like, wow. And it feels great to fill up the dishwasher and him not, you know, redo it. I'm like, oh, I'm not a fuck up. Even though it's not the most efficient way for the engineer brain, I'm, I can do it. Like, look at me. Like, and I don't have to move out. I guess there's a, we were talking about, there's something happening in our marriage that's so fucked where we, what some person feels responsible and the other person's acting irresponsible that ha- maybe I have to move out in order to break this. Like, do, do I have to move out momentarily so we can get out of this system of, of resentment that we both were having towards the other person where Steve would do things for me and then resent me. I would let him do things and then resent him, you know, and I could feel his resentment and be like, Oh God. But what was, was so cool is that we both decided to make choices that allowed us to be in greater intimacy with the other person recently by changing our behaviors, by speaking to each other differently, by me, not just focusing on myself and the trauma that I've been experiencing, but making sure that he goes climbing. 
You're like, go out, like go climbing and, and, and actually walking him through the steps. This is the time you're going to be leaving. This is what, what you're, you're going to grab your gym clothes and being okay with holding him that way and him learning to let me hold him in that way that he's kind of been holding me of like, okay, this is the next step. You're going to get through this depression. We're going to get through this. We're going to get through this. We're going to get through this. Yeah. I think the, the idea that we had to find again, it's like that little grain of sand. This is the common ground that we're, we both agree, let's do this. How do we build that up? And it started with, we both agree these chores need to have get, get done. How do we split it? And then Maria's had this, this great idea. And, and my, and like she said, my, my systems thinking brain is just like, Oh yeah, there's you, this is yours. This is mine. And this all makes sense now. This is the system. <laughs> and I, yeah. and it, it's just all clicked into my head. Yeah. And that simple system for me, it's given me a lot of energy where I was like, okay, I can handle this. And now I have energy to work with clients again. And I'm writing and my brain's coming back online. And I know this sounds ridiculous that a freaking like chore list could somehow like help a lot of things change, but they did. They, they really did. And he was resistant for a while to a chore list. And he doesn't remember this. But I would be like, why don't we do this? And you're like, no, I don't want, I don't want a list telling me what to do. Or I don't know. Like it was just probably the control monger. And then something happened where it was re- like he was ready and I was ready too to stop, you know, letting him do all the things because he does it better. And we decided to actually both make contributions. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Uh, I <laughs> don't recollect any time that happened, but I'm... <laughs> Yep. I don't collect it. Uh, but I'm sure that it I happens. did not have more sex with that girl. I love it. Well, I, I, I want to point out a couple of things that I think are just like we could have started with the dishwasher story and translated it or transcribed it to an affair. And it's the same exact thing. It's mm. you said, Maria, like to me, it doesn't seem stupid at all. It says, we broke yeah. well the whole pattern. We broke oh, yeah. it down to the absolute bare bones and said, "Well, why doesn't Maria like loading the dishwasher?" Well, Steve created a paradigm where if she does it, she's probably going to be afraid she did it wrong. So why even fucking bother in the first place, mm-hmm. right? And so we can we can be pissed that people aren't doing the things we want them to do, but then you have to step back and go, "Have I?" And maybe you haven't, but have I done something here to create? an environment where this person doesn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just asking the question, being able to say like, you, you, you don't ever load the dishwasher. Is there something, is it just a thing like you have a dishwasher phobia or have I done something right? And like, who knows what it is? And maybe she doesn't even know, but now you start to see the effects of that. You make a list and you start doing your, each of your doing your things and Steve stops micromanaging. And now you can, Again, you translate that to other aspects of your life. Well, now I can go do this and it's not going to have that. And I can go do mm-hmm. this and Steve's seeing it in reverse. And it it's a positive feedback loop instead of the negative feedback loop that you've been operating in for for so long. And I so I, I it sounds maybe stupid on the surface, but I think it it's an analogy that clearly works and translates to like every aspect of life. And I think it's awesome. And I'll, I will say... Uh, that it helped bring us to such a, a this simple chore list <laughs> opened the door to us um, feeling so comfortable in our relationship that we, you know, we went to a sex party together. 
Oh yeah. And, and we connect with a, connect it with a couple for the, I, I think one first of the first time. times that we did, we did it. And, um, it's like two weeks ago. Um, yeah. Hey, we're talking about sex. It's uh, yeah. the first time. Yeah. Hey, it's the, it's the, it's non-monogamy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we all circle back around. Yeah. Can you, can you, everybody just has it all. Let me tell you, reality, we got sex, we got dishwashers, <laughs> long term, everything you want. Um, but yeah, we went to, we went to a sex party and we connected with a couple and it was, uh, it was really special to, to have that with her. And I, and it, it, it really reinforced the idea that, man, we could have, could have done um some group play originally to open this relationship and that would have mm-hmm. actually felt really good for me mm-hmm. and and that could have been a way we 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 could approach this and that the the affair didn't have to be the way that we went um if only we had known yeah if only we had maybe seen someone or heard someone talk about it and be like hey you know you don't have to go right into every person has their own girlfriend boyfriend whatever Right. You you can go and you can share something together. And mm-hmm. and maybe that maybe that would feel good because everyone's there and everything's present and and you can explore that and I, I think that that felt really good for me. And um you know, I I don't know, I can't speak for other people, but I I, I could I just think that that would have been what I needed in that moment 6 years ago or something like that. Could have been yeah. could have opened a lot of doors for me. Yeah, and unfortunately, we're never taught that, right? Not or very. I should say never. We we should. I shouldn't say never. We're rarely taught that. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. The the answer to I was thinking of having an affair isn't usually. Well, have you considered an orgy <laughs> instead? <laughs> but I, I, you know, I want to just bring it back to the tour list. And for for one thing, I want to just clarify because there's probably a whole bunch of people who are like, uh, well hold on, I can open my marriage if I make a chore list? And maybe, like, tr- truly maybe, right? Like, if that's the thing that allows you to see the codependent patterns oh, yeah. that have been happening, and if it's a, and if you make the chore list, you're like, oh boy, this is a Pandora's box. Like, now I know all of the other stuff. Good for you. And I think the the piece that I wanted to maybe just throw in there as as the engineer, I'm assuming the, the system for the chore list is wiping down the counters at one point, scrubbing the shower tile after three weeks is 10 points. And so you need 10 counter wipings to match one shower scrubbing. I'm assuming. Yeah. Rough, yeah, roughly. Yeah. Nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever used agile, but it's, it's very similar <laughs> to, to story pointing. <laughs> um, shout out to all the engineers out there. Hey, you can use bring your skills <laughs> Bring them home. <laughs> yeah. All those all those skills you learned in engineering school, they can work with women too. Apply them to your relationships. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> but yeah, we, we or par- uh, partners of any gender. Let's say that they can oh, work yeah. with partners that, of any gender. I don't want I don't want to paint us off. I just know there weren't many women at our engineering school, and so <laughs> that's where my brain went. So it's I, a sad I, truth. I it's really a sad. It is. Truth. It is. <laughs> it's slowly getting better. Yes. That. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Emma, do you have any other I, I mean, a million, but... Well, um, may, I think we've just left off at, like, the cliffhanger of, like, the sex party era. Yeah. I love how yeah. you went from... You had sex party on the table, and you're like, let's go back to the dishwasher for a second. 
I bring a full circle. Full circle. Tease. Very kinky. Tease the sex party. Well, we we talk about sex parties a lot. The dishwashers. That's new, and so we, we like. <laughs> that is the- new, but it's also so freaking relatable for oh, yeah. anybody in any partnership. Like, I mean, the dishwasher, the the like the mundane tasks of everyday life mm-hmm. can be issues, can be and can be sources of resentment that can, um, you know, by solving and talking about those things and coming up with solutions that work for the two of you, can let yourselves feel safer in that relationship or yeah. feel more like in a, a better place in that relationship to allow you to focus on other things. So. Well, and it, and it's, they compound, right? Like yeah. today it's the dishwasher. Then it's this, then it's this, then it's all of them Not together. the toilet paper on the toilet paper roll. Right. Which I just did the other day. <gasps> which way? Anyway, which, which way over <laughs> under, <laughs> do you have a preference? I'm an, I'm an, I'm an over guy. But uh, yeah, I, are you in agree agreement? On that part. You agree? That's yeah, we're in agreement with that. <laughs> <laughs> I beautiful. just make sure it's on. Like if it's actually <laughs> on, then you should be grateful that I don't just like stick it on top, like cheese. <laughs> actually, I just had a revelation. We actually don't have a toilet paper dispenser. I was just gonna say you should do it. I know. I did day. it the other day at an Airbnb, oh, so and I was really proud of myself. I was like, "Look at me! I'm at an Airbnb doing it for somebody else. Like <laughs> that's even better." Our so. current, our current, yeah, our current living situation doesn't have a. Yeah, we we can't agree on stuff like that, so we just eliminate it. <laughs> <laughs> We don't have a dishwasher because, yeah, we can't figure it out. So we just yeah. got rid of the dishwasher. Can't live together, just burn down the house. Just, that's right. That's right. <laughs> problem, problem solved. No, that's definitely the way to handle situations. <laughs> uh, wow. Is there is there anything that you two would like to share before we let you go tonight? And knowing that you will most definitely be back at some point in the future to continue the, to continue conversation. the conversation. Yeah. I would love that. I'd love to come back and talk about Me whatever. Too. This is really fun. Remember household appliances? Off, yes, household appliances. <laughs> and we should start off the sex party next time. That, that's where we... There we go. Yeah, we need sex, to go. Let's do sex it. Sex and household appliances. Dot com. <laughs> that, could, that, that could be our brand. Yes, that could be our brand with Marie and Steve. <laughs> um, honey, would you add anything to what we we just shared? Do you uh, want to add anything? I feel like we covered a lot of territory. And I... I feel good about it. I will say that the sex party was a lot of fun mm-hmm. and, and um, yeah, there's so much to talk about. I, I could just keep going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I love it. So yeah. much to pick back up on. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, oh, all, yeah. Oh yeah. But I'll add to that um, is just that. Uh, yeah. The sex party was really invigorating yeah <laughs> and exciting to to see steve you know connecting with other people and he's he's very hot so it was very enjoyable and then there was a p- part where i was like oh this is really hot but i just want to go home and like get in my jammies and 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 also just like be with the human that really loves me I, and i don't know i'm going through this period of my life i don't know if i'm 37 I, I don't know what's happening but it's like sex with other people is kind of fun and interesting, but I'm like, eh, what's really interesting is this person who's like willing to walk through like fire in order to like 
to be the person that sees me through that's in love with me. And then we have amazing sex too. Like I'm feeling so nourished. And it's like the first time in my life where I'm like, ah, it's not really as interesting to like have sex with other people. Now having sex with another couple is really cool because we haven't done that. And that's interesting to share that with him. But I don't know. I kind of just want to have dinner and like go to bed early. And that, and that feels like (laughs) even more nourishing. (laughs) And there's nothing wrong with that. Right. (laughs) Right. I might be not as cool, but you know, uh, I'm owning it. You're so cool. I was like, what what is cool anyway? Right. That's the the coolest thing I've heard all night. (laughs) Oh, we're about to literally go have dinner. So it's perfect segue. (laughs) Excellent. Well, you two go enjoy dinner. And we will definitely talk again soon. So thank you for both coming on, sharing, and for for helping support what we do. And yes, thank you so much. And for the almost the cliffhangers, like I feel like there's so much more to dig into and there'll be a future conversation at some point. So thank you both and have a wonderful rest of your night. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, Emma. And we're back. Thank you so much, Maria and Steve, for coming on, sharing your story, and just for your vulnerability. We love talking to you, and we're excited to get this out there. Thank you so much. Yeah, this was a great conversation, as you've all probably noticed. I hogged most of the conversation questions, so (laughs) clearly I was enthralled, and I apologize, Emma, for being a question hog. That's okay. Sometimes that happens. New Year's resolution, eat less questions. (laughs) Yeah. Oh boy. Okay. Anyway, I feel like we could like talk about that tangent for a long time. So I'm just going to move on. Probably a good idea. You can see me gearing up, right? Uh, Right. A a few quick reminders before we let you go. First up, our next virtual meet and greet is coming up on Thursday, December 29th. These are open to anyone. We would love to have you join us. You just must be respectful and open-minded. If you can't make the December event, don't worry. We'll have another one in January, but we would love to have you make it to this one. The theme is holiday porpourri. You can dress up in theme or you do not have to. It's up to you. Uh, Hold on. Holiday potpourri means... You can wear anything from any holiday of the year Correct. or combine them all. Correct. The other thing that we wanted to oh, quickly... yeah, combine them all. That would be pretty good. Well, not every holiday. That'd be a little bit of much. It'd be like Joey and friends when he has to wear all of Chandler's I know. That's that's what, all of Chandler's clothes. Yes. Yeah, I know. That's what I was going to say. But um, I actually think if anyone does that, that'd be amazing. You'll get swag. <laughs> we're going to... We're going to... We'll have voting for top holiday potpourri costume with swag going to the top three finishers. There you go. There it goes. The other thing we wanted to remind everybody about, because you know what happens if you're a premium subscriber, uh, or I'm sorry, if you're part of our community, you are by default, abil- you have the ability to be a premium subscriber. So you may not know about the January 28th event that we talked about at length in the intro. Yes. So. Coming up on the weekend of January 28th, we are hosting a community-only event in person in the East Bay in San Francisco. It's going to be a ton of fun. It's going to be pretty low-key, though. We're going to have a fun dinner and uh, night out on Saturday night. We're also planning and working in the works a private pole dance class and a private yoga class. So we're working on those things. And if you can't make this one, don't worry. There will be more. This one kind of came together at the last minute. We know not everybody can make it. We apologize in advance for that. We'll be spreading these out around the country in the next couple of years. So yes. Yes. And just to be super clear, again, you do need to be part of the community to join this event on the 28th. 
And to do that, go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. You can join the community there. You can find information about the meet and greet there. You can find a lot of other information on our website. So go check it out. Next week, we have an interview with Stephanie, who is amazing. She is a filmmaker and created a film called Lust Life Love, which is incredible. We highly encourage you to go check it out. We talk about it in detail in next week's interview, but links are in the show notes if you want to go watch it ahead of time. Yeah, it actually wouldn't be a terrible idea to watch it ahead of time because a lot of what we sort of talk about in the film or in the podcast interview is sort of the crossover between the film and her life. Yeah. Because there are narratives woven in that that represent aspects of her life, but obviously not all of them. I'll also say, Emma and I watched the film. It was really good. Yes. And it's it sort of depicts the polyamorous life of a young woman who's also a blogger who who has it's. I would say what what we loved about it was it was very real. Yeah. It wasn't just this is amazing and you'll live happily ever after. It was like this is also going to be hard and you're going to learn some lessons and. It's just, it was done well. And so we we encourage you to check it out. We don't get any kickbacks from this. We just encourage you to check it out. Yes. Go check it out. Come back and listen next week. And I think that's it. That is it. Again, happy holidays, everybody. Stay safe out there. Travel safe if you're traveling. Stay warm if you're not on a beach. (laughs) Stay in the shade if you are on a beach. And yes, all of the above. I'll second everything you said. And we will see you next week. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening.